Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote, for the first time in what, five, six days, be able to say, are you brought... That we are broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber, the game hotline. 337 We got a lot to get caught up on, including college baseball. We've been talking, well, I guess I'm assuming that we've been talking a lot of college baseball. Uh, certainly, I've been covering a lot of college baseball and following it like a lot of you, but uh, a lot of other stuff is going on as well. So we've got a lot to get caught up on. On a Tuesday, that kind of feels like a Monday to me, but uh, that's just me. Um, I guess the summer hasn't officially begun, but kind of feels like the first week of summer for me anyway, and I'm sure for a lot of other people. And uh, So, again, lots to get caught up on. You know, I, did, I saw the... Um, Fair amount of the game one of the NBA, and I was flipping back and forth with the Astros in the NBA in game one. And the Nuggets, and you know how people, the the most fans and most media people are. I'm, um, the, the Nuggets won, and it's all, oh, they're going to win every game, and, and, and the Heat have no chance. But I'm watching the game, and the parts that, again, I didn't watch every play. I was flipping back and forth, but. I didn't see anything in game one that made me th- – now, they didn't make enough shots. I mean, it's easy to look bad when you don't make shots. But it didn't seem like the Heat just had no answer. I, I-, I could have saw if they made a few more shots. I mean, you know, they cut it to – you know, they cut it to 8 and 10, fair amount of time. It wasn't like they got completely dominated and they had no answers. And then I saw a lot of – well, I saw basically the whole first half – uh, Sunday night, but I had to get up at like four in the morning, and this fat cat ain't too used to getting up at four in the morning. So I went to bed just after halftime, uh, or went to sleep. Um, and 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 they came out just on fire. I mean, it was, you know, they you know they were the 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 Piper was owing them, and the Piper didn't really have anything to do with basketball, but. The Piper was owing them, and they they had they did not shoot well the night before and hadn't shot well at the very end of the Eastern Conference Final, and they were just knocking down jumper after jumper. And I think Adebayo's just been impressive how aggressive he's been. The parts that I saw, I'm like, man, this cat, is, somebody told him, theoretically, Spoltra, like you're gonna have, you got to be really aggressive. Like he he's played really aggressively offensively. I'm talking about in the first two games. So I look, I got nothing against the Denver Nuggets. Really, nothing. I they've never won. They've never been here. I would have zero problem if the Denver Nuggets won. 
It just always irritates me the whole, oh, so and it's going to be a sweep or it's so-and-so's got no chance. I just, that stuff just turned, that national narrative just turned, oh, they have no answers, just turns me off. So I, I'd get, I actually prefer the Denver Nuggets to the Miami Heat, but I'd get a little bit of pleasure of the Miami Heat one. But but it's I mean that's the most recent narrative. But the overall narrative was against Denver for much of the year, right? Right, I mean, right. But then the other thing that and I pointed this out, it's that those people are no longer claiming that they doubted the Denver Nuggets for six oh, yeah. months. They're like, well, they were the best team all year. Why didn't y'all know they were going? to... I mean, it's, obviously they're here. I mean, they're the best. <laughs> it's yeah. like, wait a minute, that's not what you're saying in March at yes. all. Because we talked about that on this show a lot. Like you keep hearing about how phony. And I, you know, I don't know that the Grizzlies were as phony as when your when your best player is, you know, what their best player is. Then you know, you're not all pulling in the same direction. That's a rope issue with with, with Memphis. But so many, even though they were the one and two seeds for most of the year out of the West, I I, I don't think a lot. Most of the national media thought it was going to be. I mean, there were probably a few Golden State people down the stretch, but most of when the Durant trade, I mean, it was like, oh, the Suns are going to win. Suns, 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 Suns. And now they, you know, their coach didn't even survive, which is a whole different issue. But so certainly NBA, if you would like to just get caught up on that, uh, I still would probably, like if you ask me to guess who I think is going to win, I, I would still say the Nuggets are going to win. But I think with the Heat, I enjoy the fact, the Heat to me are the NBA equivalent of a college team that doesn't have a bunch of you know, superstars, a bunch of fifth-year singers, s- seniors that just stay together, and they're a team. I mean, that that's what the Heat are. They're the NBA equivalent of a senior-laden college team that, that, that stuck around, didn't have a lot of transfers, and just stuck together, and they've played together, and they're a unit, and they're winning as a team. Um, that is what kind of they are, and so it, that's easy to support. And then there's obviously, before we get to some Major League Baseball thoughts, there's obviously a lot of college baseball. We learn now all of the super regional matchups. Is it nine? I'd have to count. Is it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight? Eight super regionals? Eight. No, 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 no. Eight. Of the top sixteen seeds advance and eight oh, yeah, didn't. Yeah, yeah. Yes, is that what it was? Um, I, I think it's eight. Let me check. I'm on pretty that. sure it was eight advanced and eight didn't, which is good. Again, I like that. Chalk is boring. Chalk is college football. That's boring. Um, you know, so you it's don't nine. want nine, nine, uh, nine. Oh, nine. I miscounted one. Indiana State there at the end is the one that was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I don't know. Indiana. Look, got to give them credit. They're still alive. I didn't. And they're not playing at home. Is that is that what I understood? Um, That's correct. So LSU series begins at 2 o'clock Saturday, I'm told. So 2 o'clock Saturday, LSU and Kentucky. As I remember, I remember thinking that LSU was going to kind of handle Kentucky. 
and and it turned out that they didn't handle them. They won, but it was it was a pretty good series, as I remember, with plenty, you know, like almost every LSU series, plenty of action. Like if 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 you like um, if you don't like like if you like offense, runs scored, hit batters, walks, you know, a lot of action, a lot of base runners. If you think two to one or one or two to nothing is boring, then you love LSU baseball. Um, and so it was a lot of action, like most LSU series have. And uh, you know, I think most people thought LSU had. I've heard a lot of people say they had a cakewalk to the World Series. Look, they could have lost to Oregon State Sunday. I mean, they easily could have lost. What did they win? 6-5? I mean, they could have lost easily. That was a one-pitch game. And if they lose that game, who knows what happens. So to say cakewalk, I don't I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's a fair assessment, even though that when the brackets when the brackets came out, that was the opinion of quite a few people. Um, but Oregon State was not a bad club by any stretch. They just didn't win. That you know that key game. Now, did they have enough to come back after losing? No, I don't think they did. But, but they could have won that game, and and then things could be different. Yeah, and that's that's going to be the case with most of the series around the country. I mean, the, the the most definitive win of anybody is TCU, who never got challenged. It, which is pretty funny. I mean, the the second Arkansas game was close for a longer period of time than the first one was, but. Uh, that was pretty impressive to me. Also, Southern Miss has been announced as the host in the Tennessee series, so we were waiting on that. Is I that think, a surprise? Uh, I, I I think it's deserving because the committee said that Southern Miss was almost a host in the first place, and I think that that being on the record of them saying that was going to make it a tough look for them if they went against them. Because um, also Southern Miss has the facilities; they have a you know they had higher attendance at their at their regional last year than Tennessee did, so there were some factors in there, but. I think you always wonder if the SEC kind of bias will creep in. So I think it was nice that they got recognized and and were given that host site. But it is ultimately up to the committee. They don't have to, you know, there's no formula for that, which, you know, I think I've I've heard it discussed. Maybe that's something that they're going to address in the future to have a, you know, more of a set way that these things are decided. But um, in the end, it is going to be in Hattiesburg. And that kind of adds a layer of intrigue to that series as well, because I think they're a tough team to beat in that place. Um, They are, you know, I think. I think Coastal could have got in had they not lost. What did they lose? Eleven to ten or whatever in that first game, or am I thinking of Southern Miss? Yeah, Coastal lost eleven. Eleven to ten, to 10 in that first game. If they had won that, then they might have had enough pitching. But I, well, they just we knew they didn't have enough pitching in the in the Sun Belt Conference tournament. Yeah, but the funny thing is that yesterday, yeah, obviously you give up eleven runs, but they didn't score anything. They literally and they never even threatened. I mean, they they had a couple of innings where they had a runners on first and second or something like that but never even challenged Duke offensively. And you knew that you had to score 12 runs going into that game. Like, you knew you had to score, you know, at least 8, 10 runs to be competitive. Yeah. And I said on the show uh, on Monday morning, I said, you know, they used Sharky yesterday to beat Duke the first time. So if this is a close game late, I wonder who Coastal's even going to have. But then it didn't matter at all. It didn't matter who they threw in past the third inning. The game was over. Like, Duke just dominated him, which... Again, Duke is kind of the funny. They're like an outlier in this situation where they were playing really poorly going into the regionals, but then they turned it on and played really well. So 
uh, they'll be playing on, and, and they've got an interesting matchup against Virginia with an ACC kind of rivalry there. But, yeah, Coastal, I said it for a long time, and I think you kind of agreed. Southern Miss was better than Coastal down the stretch, and some of those RPI wins helped Coastal host and, and Southern Miss not. Some of those North Carolina, East, you know, South Carolina, just so many good teams up there, and they got a bunch of RPI wins in the midweek, um, which were valid wins, but I think at the end of the year, Coastal wasn't as good as Southern Miss was. No, and they just, again, they were without two of their better pitchers, and not everybody can overcome that, even if you can hit the ball as well uh, as they do. Now, I didn't watch enough of that. Did, did Duke Was Duke throwing a left-hander or a right-hander? Um, yesterday they threw a couple different guys. Uh, they kind of they they had a guy in at the beginning and he struggled. They they didn't give up hits, but they gave up some walks. So they ended up kind of switching mid game. But um, I I don't I don't know what they did. I I don't remember if they had a lefty or righty in for the first matchup. But because uh, Coastal, Coastal has a yesterday. lot of left handed hitters and they could be susceptible to a yeah. good left handed pitcher. C. Blake Marshall. Um, or Roberts. You know I can remember the Cages playing Or Roberts in baseball and they were good all the way back to the eighties. So. To say that anybody should be shocked that Oral Roberts won, I, I don't. I don't think they've been good in baseball for a long time. And now you never know if a four seed's actually going to win a regional. But Oklahoma State, they had to be going. I remember when it came out. I think you and I both agreed from top to bottom that was probably the best of all the regional fields, and it turned out to be because the four seed is advanced. Yeah, and Oklahoma State got stomped as well in their in their elimination game, kind of similar to uh, how Arkansas went out. Although Oklahoma State didn't even win, you know, at least Arkansas made it back to regional final. Oklahoma State goes zero and two, as does Auburn, which is funny. Auburn was the opposite end of Duke. I thought they were playing really, really well at the end of the year, and even though I didn't think their overall resume was deserving of hosting, I thought they'd still win their regional because I just thought they were so hot. And yet they got. You know, two games and they're done. Southern Miss eliminates them, and before they even settle in, they're already out of it. So it's funny how some of that goes the other way. And now it's easy to say Auburn wasn't deserving of hosting a regional, seeing them go in two. But again, I wouldn't have been surprised if they won that regional based on how hot they were. It just didn't matter. Texas looked really strong, and the Cajuns competed very well. And again, if, you know, take away two, one, great play and one above average defensive play and the Cajuns might have won that game who knows but my question is does Texas have I I just wonder if their bullpen is going to get tested Um, like they have their top two pitchers are really good but I just don't know. I'm just not convinced as far as how far they can go. But if the if if a team, whether it's in a super region or in the College World Series, where their bullpen really gets tested, but their first two pitchers are really good, like really good, and they are really good defensively, and they have three or four really good hitters. Um. So, you know, they. I think Texas is gonna be a tough out, but. I mean, they're going from the Atlantic to the Pacific here. And so that's not good for them. And Stunford knows how to win. So that'll be an interesting one, I think. Yeah, I know all the arguments about Texas and A&M and who would host, and it didn't matter because A&M loses yesterday. But uh, I did think that was just kind of funny to throw it in there as well. No, Texas, I mean, they, they've got – and that's why it was so – I keep going back to how well the Cajuns played in that first game. They're playing a first-team All-American, and they almost, again – you can't say what if, but if John Taylor's three-run homer goes over the wall the way it 
probably does in most situations. You got a completely different game against an ace. You, you put up really? five runs off. Of yeah, one of the best I mean, in the it, without their great defense, I tweeted out the Cages would have probably been up five or six nothing. Now that's not a guarantee they'd have won, but you kind of like their chances up five or six nothing. But again, that's you know that's kind of um, kind of shoulda woulda coulda. But that they, they were joking. Some of the Texas people were saying the Astros are in uh, Canada, so like play. Um, Play at Minute Maid Park if they had played, but you're right. They, they, they didn't have to do it. I think the Tennessee Southern Miss Regional is going to be fun. Both of those teams, you could argue. You could argue. That's like punk one and punk two. Like, you could argue. So, um, the, these two teams know how to get under your skin. And um, that that... That could be a fun series just to watch. Yeah, and we already saw Tennessee get into it with Clemson, and then guy gets ejected who is Clemson's best player, and that was kind of uh, one of the big storylines of that whole regional because then Clemson gets – and we talked about that too, how big it is when you lose the first game – when you lose a game late into the night like that and then you have to turn around and play an elimination oh, game yeah, in the morning. Oh, yeah, it's not good. Just, it, you're it, it's a, definitely you're not good. By the way, TCU, the Cajuns beat last year in College Station and then lost to them the second time. They're one of their better players transfers to Texas, and here they are in the Super Regional. And they didn't look all that explosive last year. Now, again, it's a whole year ago, but, I mean, that was like, wow, how impressive that was. All right, we'll take a timeout. Took a long time kind of getting back acquainted. We, 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 can, uh, we have two hours to do it today. We'll do that and set the stage for the rest of the summer when we come back. Stay tuned. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Go subscribe to the game's YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana. That way you can check out the latest original videos and more shenanigans from the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline, 337 706-0111, All right, major international sports news broke during the last segment. The PGA Tour has agreed to merge with the Saudi-backed live golf I, I I just I uh it was announced today I don't know that I fully comprehend all of this but it's just why like I understand that they probably look golf is quote an unquote gentleman's sport this is a sport where if you cheat you tell people about it in every other sport, you know, you cheat to try to get an edge, and if you don't get caught, oh, well. I mean, this is a quote-unquote gentleman's sport. They're not used to all this angst and hatred and just, you know, mudslinging. You know, it, golf kind of turned into professional wrestling and boxing there for a little while. They were probably all very uncomfortable with it. 
And I get that. But, man, they said some really bad stuff on both sides. How, and I just don't understand how the PGA does this, especially this quickly. I I just, I don't know. That was surprising. I mean, that is not what I expected to here the, today. Like they to me the PGA tour looks really bad here. Really um, bad. Yes, and I've already seen some and I'll I'll start I'll reference them if I can find some of the specifics, but some some tour players are already uh expressing their feelings of betrayal and um like yeah, I <laughs> I I can't I don't know how you know it's funny you say you like we make jokes like this. I don't know how far down the list of like if you gave me a bunch of scenarios, and this would have been the first one, I'd say, okay, that one's false. We we'll put that one at the back end. Like, I don't know how many scenarios. Patrick Mahomes getting traded would have probably been ahead of this. Like, I, there's so many things I don't know if I would have ever thought that this was a true story. Like, if it didn't have a reporter that reported it, that's out, and not only reported by the way. There's like press releases out by the PG. Like, this is done deal. This is official. This is not like a rumor. Like, it's done. They're merging. I mean, it's. I I can't believe it. I really can't. Look, I, I've certainly heard a lot of it. I, I, I'm not engrossed in golf like some people are. I, I, I can't even imagine. You know, there you know, I'm sure there's been some very vicious discussions between guys in country clubs all over the country, all over the world. Like one on one side, one on the other side. Some people, you know, handle these um Political, it's a political issue is what it is. I mean, some people handle political issues and debates way better and some worse than others, but I can imagine just the, you know, the really passionate arguments on both sides and then to have this. Oh, and think of think of what's been said by the biggest stars on both sides, specifically Rory McIlroy. I mean, he has made clear, he's drawn lines in the sand that, I don't know, you can even undo with even some sort of merger. And you got to wonder if certainly how, you know, if he has any involvement into this, I, I would guess not. Uh, now, then again, he's been quiet the last few weeks and people were kind of wondering why. I have no idea who was involved with this, but it sounds like, by the way, I mean, Colin Morikawa, you know, tweeted out that he, he he's learning it as everyone else is learning it. Like, you know, this now again, obviously they didn't go to every tour member. They can't do that, but. Like it doesn't sound like the players were were had an idea this was coming from at least the the initial reaction, um, and yeah, I don't know now. You know, of course, what the structure of this is going to look like, I guess we'll find out pretty soon. But it says it's going to be a new company that will be to be named soon. That's going to be the merger of all their business assets and everything like that. And I don't know, I, I can't. Yeah, I'm blown away. I've never, I haven't been this shocked. So who do you think gave in? Well, the tour, I guess, would have to be the one that because they're the ones who were in the position of of, I thought the position of more power to to stand their ground. But okay, but I always wondered, like, what was the end game? Like, what how the live tour ten years from now or five years from now was going to be able to sustain? That this? was always my thought as well, and that's why I thought the PGA Tour was going to be pretty content to be where they were, and let this die out eventually. Right? It's like the idea. What, now, it's not on the same level because obviously they pulled some big names and stuff, but it's like the XFL trying to go head-to-head with the NFL or something like that. You know, it's like you're sitting there going, okay, even if you had a great first year, 
Like, do you know how much equity the NFL's built up over the past 50 years? Like, you've got no shot to go against. And I know it's not comparing apples to apples, but... Well, it's more like the, the WFL in the early 70s or in the late 60s, the AFL and the NFL. I right. mean, it was, it was like... And I guess the result's now the same of, of what that result was, which is a merger, but I, I don't think that's what I thought would, would come from this. I thought, and look, I thought, I did think this. I thought maybe there would be some handshake agreements at some point that kind of came to an understanding of, hey, the, these guys can play in these events and, you know, this will be recognized with this. And I thought maybe there would some site, but I, I didn't think they'd become the same entity. Merged together? Oh, man. I mean, that, that's crazy. You know, going I, back when, to when I was, 10 and 12 and 14 years old, I always, like, it would fascinate me that you'd have these Republican and Democratic conventions. These two people would go at each other and mudsling and mudsling and talk about how stupid the other one was. And then if they got the ticket, then they became president and vice president. I'm like, well, I thought y'all just hated each other. Like, how how does this work? Like, uh, you know, and this just kind of reminds me of that. Like, they sit here and just almost question the basic morality and nationality of all these people they the common decency i mean that's basically what they were questioning like you were a complete scumbag and and now they're mur i, I don't know it's just yeah i i have no man i this is the type of one even if this news came out like at the end of the day i would have needed the night to kind of process and think about and here we are. I mean, this just happened. I, wow. I don't know. Can't play for the Yankees and the Red Sox, cat. I, I just always say that. Yeah. It's like the Yankees and the Red Sox combining to yeah. become the, the Boston-New York Yankee-Red Sox. And, and, but again, that's why, I, that's why you just, I don't even want to hear about all this passionate junk if, you, if you're going to come together. I mean, I just. Whew, man, I'm glad I wasn't in the middle of all that. I mean, I was on the periphery. I paid attention sometimes. Sometimes I didn't. I wasn't, you know, I, man, I can't, Im- I can't I'm just picturing. Look, you know there were some people that had very passionate opinions about this. And to see this happen this quickly, wow. Wow. Take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game on this Tuesday. Feels like a Monday. We've talked about NBA. We talked about the big news with the PGA and Live Golf Tour merging. And we'll have plenty of time to react to that if anyone has that. We talked college baseball with the super regional matchups. Astros last night. Look, folks, they tried this last Monday. They played the Twins, and they were crushing home runs left and right and scored all these runs, and and then they got shut out the next two days. Now, I don't really think they're going to get shut out again the next two days, but, of course, again, my number one goal, don't get swept. 
Well, they're not getting swept by the Blue Jays because they just crushed their face 11-4 last night. Scored six runs in the first inning. El Perro hit one in the skyline. I mean, he's unbelievable. You're watching the game and the announcers, Blum and Callis, are talking about, you know, how, because they had both spent some time there and Blum played there a little bit. And and they're talking about how they have this new fancy skyline and up there. And, of course, El Perro hits it up there. He's unbelievable. I mean, he's just unbelievable. By the way, I saw one of these things yesterday or over the weekend. Um. Top 10 players in major leagues under 30. They didn't have El Perro in there. Now, again, I don't really care. No, that's utterly He was not on the top 10. Well, and you know what's funny is I was reminded yesterday of a graphic that he's only 25, which is just like. (laughs) How could he not at least be 10th? I see. He's probably first. I was going to say, I mean, you know. The well, he's only not a argument, better all-around player than I was going to say, guys, the only but, argument you could have is defensively. But by the way, he's not bad defensively. He's not horrible. No, he's not an all- and He I doesn't think, play all the time, but he's yeah, not. Yeah, well, the a, idea when he came up, too, was that it was this guy who's, yeah, there's a lot of potential in the bat, but, like, you got to hide him somewhere. You you got to DH him. You can't no. do this and that. It's like, well, no, he's fine he can, in left field. He catches the ball. He's got, he's got a, a good arm. arm. Yeah, he arm. throws out runners. Uh, he can just flat out hit. He runs pretty well for a big and guy. He doesn't. He's not a base stealer, but if but he scores on a single easily. Like he's not slow. Nope. For as big as he is, uh, and obviously he's not an above average defensive player, and he's not a base runner and all that stuff. But that cat can just hit. I mean, he's, you know, the the. Uh, the people compare him to David Ortiz, but he's way better than David Ortiz at this age. He's not even close. Like David Ortiz at this age, I think was still playing for the Twins, and he was, he was just a okay. Slim, little slim, uh, slim prospect. Huh? He was. He was on my fantasy team when he was a first baseman for the Twins, and no one knew who he was. But um, I don't know. That's just silly to me. But anyway, it it is what it is. I, I'd rather them be under the radar, so I actually prefer it that way. Um, and look, all the players that they had on there are good, but just the fact that either people still hate the Astros that much or he just falls under the radar is just, you know, how that could happen, I have no idea. But anyway, whatever. All right, so again, lots to, to talk about. But it hit me yesterday, I looked at the calendar. And be, even though we've still got the NBA Finals going on and even though we've got the Women's College World Series down to, by the way, can the Seminoles win? Um, yes, they can. I'll be pulling for them. I will too. <laughs> I think most of the you get a little tired. Yeah, I'm, I think the Oklahoma fatigue is getting oh, is getting higher. Yeah. So um, I'm I'm pulling for them. I I've been already kind of talking to a couple of you know my Florida State buddies about it. Like what's so difficult, and we actually saw it in 21 when they when Florida State played Oklahoma. That was the you know the greatest collection of talent in softball history at the time is what it was billed as with Oklahoma and Florida State actually stole game one and it, but it's still like even after they stole game one and they played really really well in game two it was like they just didn't have enough and then they end up losing game two and game three I will say the difference is that Florida State team was not a great team by their standards it got really hot at the end of the year they made a run that was pretty unexpected and made it all the way to the College World Series finals this Florida State team is, is pretty loaded coming in at the number three overall national seed so they certainly are more well-equipped 
one would think. And they do have one of the best pitchers in the history of the school and, you know, maybe softball in general. That, that'll be a conversation at some point with Catherine Sandercock. So you're going to need something pretty legendary from her, I'd imagine, in one of the games and then maybe a couple of timely hits. But it's an uphill battle even even for a team as good as Florida State. Certainly. So uh, we, we've got that to follow. But every summer for the last 20 two or three years, something like that. I have what we call footnote summer projects. So I looked at the calendar. I looked at when Sunbelt Conference media days are and SC media days and when we're going to start talking football in late July. So we've got to start this week or we'll never get it in. So I started looking, okay, what if I started, you know, wrote down everything that we've done over the years we the first one we ever did is the best. You know the first is always the best. So the first one we ever did was jersey numbers. We've done that twice, I think, and over the years, and it it was just it was it's still the best. I'm a big jersey number guy. It's my favorite. I don't know if it's other people's favorite, but it was my favorite. We've done Mount Rushmore a couple times. We've done overrated players and underrated players, best all time teams, best all time games, best all time plays. Uh, we've done nicknames. We've done one that I liked that a lot of other people probably didn't like as much as me was best cities for the three sports. Uh, you know, the best combination. We talked about that. Uh, we've done Louisiana natives in the sports. We've done um, the best all time from certain school teams from certain schools. Uh, we've done greatest victories, worst losses, all of that. So I wrote all that down and then. A question came to me. You know how I think. Why you hate coaches? Like we have never, to my to my memory, we've never actually done we've done all this stuff. We've never really done. Now, coaches has been part of some of this on the periphery. Like, you know, I guess some of the players that we did here and there, and nicknames and all sure. that had some coaches. The greatest teams in the yeah, they had coaches. Oh, the other thing that was on here that we did dynasties a couple. So dynasties is another one. And coaches are part of dynasties, but we've never actually done coaches. So I think we're going to we'll, we'll do that. We're going to start uh well we you know, we might get started today or tomorrow. We just this is a short week. It's the NBA finals, so I figured we'd start with the NBA. So we'll start with the NBA and then we'll do, you know, college football and NFL and all those and that'll lead us right up to the football media days, and then we'll be into football full flat. And look, we're gonna. We t- some days we'll talk about this a lot, and some days we won't talk about it hardly at all. It's just it is what it is. And at the end of each week, we'll come up with a little list. And you know, I hate lists, and you know, I hate the greatest of all time. But the summer's the only time that I'm okay with with doing that. And so I'd rather some of this other stuff than the greatest this and the greatest that. But Coaches is the kind of the thing that over the last twenty something years we've kind of not addressed, and so we'll we'll do that this summer. Um, by the way, speaking of that, if Eric Spolstra wins, and even if he does it, like if they just win another game, like he's getting to be pretty high on this list, huh? Like that's one of the things that. You know, as I thought about this, like, we'll see what he does. But especially if he wins, like, he might – how high could he get in this list off the top of your head on this if they win this year? 
Yeah, no, it starts to because you know another thing I I like to start thinking of those types of things when a coach can really elevate themselves is when they do it in different in completely different circumstances and situations because like you know and even I don't think there's going to be many people higher than Nick Saban when we talk about college football but there's at least this argument you can make that's like well once he got it rolling it's been pretty self fulfilling and, and and he's kept it rolling but for Spolstra to then have the LeBron era of what happens there, and then it kind of gets all torn down, and, and this is a completely new approach at it with this Jimmy Butler team now. That's what starts to get interesting. Now, some people will take points away from him, I'm sure, for the fact that this was a team that came out of nowhere. I think some people would actually take away from that, but I think it kind of adds to the whole level of it because he doesn't have the talent that he sh- to, to really win. Right. He's doing it anyway. And if they win, he'll have three not that many coaches have more than three titles. Yeah, and a lot of them, too, a lot of the recent ones especially, don't get attributed to the coach that much, right? Like, I mean, they just they keep firing them, so clearly the teams don't value them that much. So, I mean, it's funny. Like, the, the coaches don't get the credit. The stars get the credit in, in today's day and age, at least. That wasn't always the case, uh, maybe to an extent with the Jordan teams, but it was still always a conversation with the guys behind it. And, of course, you know, Phil Jackson's gotten a lot of run over the past few years for both his career as a coach and then past that, but... Um, no, it's interesting. The NBA is a lot different, too, than the others, I think, sometimes, when the way that they're talked about. And I think baseball, of course, with managing is a little different as well. But I think the NBA is probably a little more, I mean, like, baseball, I don't know. It's just so much easier to lose a game in baseball. I think that's what makes it tough. I yes. mean, it's just so much easier to lose well, a game. Well, and I think it's a lot harder for a manager to really have an impact. Yeah, you can go to the right guy in the bullpen in the eighth inning, but, I mean, a lot of that's luck, too, in my opinion. Sometimes, so I just don't. And in football, it's obviously the easiest for a coach to have impacts because you're directly calling schemes and designs that are impacting every play. Uh, basketball has more of that, but also, again, there comes a time where it's about who you've got to take the shots as opposed to which look you get. But I think this Heat team's actually kind of showing you a lot of that. Like, they're the ones who are getting it from, yeah. they don't have the guys, they have a guy and then a bunch of random guys, and they're making it work. So I'm, I'm impressed and, and, Again, I, I I was kind of a little pettiness there, like the the Florida Marlin and the floor and the Miami Heat or the Miami Marlins and the Miami Heat. It's like these Johnny Come Lately franchises and these fans didn't even have to pay any dues and they're winning all these titles. And I, I kind of held that against them for someone who waited forever, you know. As an Astro and a Saints fan, waited my whole life to be where the you know all the success those two franchises have had over the last decade or so, uh, and it's it's great. But by the way, speaking of that, and we got to get to it to our next time out. But I was listening to old, two old sports writers in, in in Miami sports writers uh, in the little press room after an interview, and they were talking about. I mean, it's just talking about the spoiled, I don't know. I just, like they were talking about making fun of the Florida Panthers and the Miami Heat. This was before Miami won game two. And they're like, well, these teams, I mean, they're good. Which one's got a better chance of getting swept? You know, of course, you know, they're, they, they got no shot. I mean, it's almost like they've got these two teams that are in the finals and they're acting like these these teams are just awful. Like, I don't know. I just, I said that about the Heat when they were when they were nine and a half point underdogs in Game One. Is like, have we not learned anything from what we've seen in the poll first three rounds? And then they end up winning Game Two. And it's, 
I'm sure they're still going to be underdogs in Game 3. It probably won't be 9 because they're going to be at home. But like, well, of course they're going to lose. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> I just... Oh, these sport elitists drive me crazy. We'll be back. Stay tuned. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do you ever wonder what kind of coach Foot would have been? When they hit it to you and you're in the major leagues, you catch the ball. That's the way that works. Yeah. He may be better suited for talking sports than coaching them. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game again. The game hotline 706-0111. 706-0111. I um, mentioned the Astros scored six in the first last night. And they did it off Alec Manoa. I, you know, I've been very high on that guy. He was re- he's been really good as a young pitcher. He has been awful this year. Like, you just wonder how that happens. Like, how do you... How do you, uh, you know, you, you, you're young. I mean, the sophomore thing I get, I guess he's not that far away from a sophomore, but he's not just having a slump. Like, he is getting completely shelled. Like, he didn't get, he got one out last night. One. Yeah, when it's that bad, to me, it, it, it becomes a situation where it's got to be mental, right? It's got to be some sort of, and, you know, I mean, the yips are, uh, you know, I remember a, a pitcher, a prominent young pitcher um, for a college baseball team that I used to follow as a kid. And, you know, and we kind of knew some people around it. And he was very, very good his freshman year. And then he just he just never could throw strikes again. And they like nobody knew like every doctor that looked at him, he was fine. He just couldn't do it anymore. I mean, now Manoa, I, you know, I don't know. It's got to be. So, that's the only way I could try to explain it would have to be. It has to be something mental. Right. Or, you know, some sort of injury that he's either trying to hide or, or or they can't figure out yet or something. Like, it doesn't. I mean, the first thing, anytime somebody gets really lit, the first thought for a lot of people is tipping. But, I mean, could he be tipping all season and they not figure it out? Like, right, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about that, too. And then even, like, when you're as good as he is, sometimes <laughs> you still find ways to get out, even if you've got a little something going on here and there, right? Like, even I mean, if you're giving away something. He's 1-7. With a 636, and that's not even the worst part. His whip is 190. Like, that's just monstrous. Like, I, I in his in the last week, his ERA is 1662. I, I just, I don't know. I mean, it, that is just really bizarre. And again, it's just an interesting case study for me to see. Again, it's his third year. I went back to look and see how many did he pitch as a rookie. He was nine and two as a rookie. He he made twenty starts. It wasn't just like a cup of coffee. So he was nine and two as a rookie with a three twenty two, which is really good. His whip was one oh five, which is really good. Last year he was sixteen and seven with a two twenty four and a whip of oh ninety nine. His whip was a one. 
That's outstanding. That's like elite. And this year, he's 1-7 with a 636 and a whip of 190. I mean, they got it. Like, what do you do? If you I don't if you're a Blue Jay GM or manager, like what do you do with this guy? He was so good his first two seasons. I mean, how you can't just lose it that quickly. And I guess people have figured him, you could say they figured him out, but that is just so dramatic. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen something this dramatic. Like, this is really bad. By the way, your boy J.P. France, I know we were focused on the Cajuns over the weekend, but he did really good again. They didn't win, but he pitched well Sunday. Yeah, that's that's the outing, too, that kind of – because it, it was a couple that – again, the, the, but the good thing is the bad outings weren't terrible. They no. just weren't great. But that's one where you go back to, wait a minute, what, how legit is this? And, this I mean, is, we'll see. Cat pitched well. Almost swept the little MVPs. I mean, how unbelievable is that? We got to go, but how unbelievable is that? They win the first three games. J.P. France gives up one run in seven innings, and they don't sweep them. That's baseball. You never know. One hour down, another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Broadcasting live from the EVCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EVCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. If you would like to get in, man, we had a busy first hour. Talked a little college softball, a little college baseball. We talked about this big, huge announcement with the PGA Tour combining with Lil. That was wow. Wow. We've talked about a little bit Major League Baseball and introduce uh, our little coaching project for the summer here. So lots going on, and it's interesting because in the NBA, there's a lot of interesting coaching conversations going on, and we've had quite a few of those in recent weeks uh, on the show, and so we'll be getting to that as well. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Kevin, you glad to be back? I am a creature of habit, so definitely glad to be back. Yes, sir. Well, Kevin, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about the NBA, but first of all, going back to Manoa, I was reading up. He's almost like down two miles per hour less on his uh, fastball uh, this year than last year. Now, doesn't that indicate there might be something wrong with it physically? I mean, that would make sense, but like, I mean, they're gonna have to shut him down and figures. And, and I'm like, he's not even competing right now. No, he's not. You know, I mean, you know, these older pitchers. I remember Smoke. You know, you could be looking at Kershaw right now. These pitchers get older, but they're good when they're younger. But they learn how to pitch with less velocity. Maybe he's too young to learn how to do that. You know, at his age. You know, I don't know, but but there is something wrong with him somewhere. Kevin, I look this morning for some reason. I, I went and looked at the uh, uh, NBA mock draft. Now, Paul, I was very surprised to see how 
so much of these players in the, the, the lottery pick are all going to be from that same league, from that number one pick. Like, there's only got, like, one or two college players that's going to be in, like, the lottery. Uh, one or maybe three at the top that's going to be in there. You know, ain't that unbelievable how, how much players are coming from that league now? It is. Well, the international movement's been going on for a while now in the NBA draft. But, yeah, you're talking about from from the same league, you know, I guess – I mean, it's produced a lot over the years, but but yeah, that's impressive. You know, they got two of them that are twins. They're actually going to have twins drafted in the lottery, and they're going to be uh, uh, both playing, and they're both going to be going to different teams, and they're both really, really good. So just imagine how how, how that's going to be when these two twins hook up against each other uh, in the NBA season. For someone who follows the NBA and the NFL, which not everybody does, do, would, would, would you want – because I've heard the suggestion made that the NFL should do what the NBA does and do a lottery, or do you think it's better that if you are the worst team, you should get the number one pick? Well, that's an interesting uh, salute, an interesting concept, Kevin. I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think it might be good, wouldn't you? Well, it would create a lot of interest. I just don't know if it's you know how if it's the best, most fairest policy. I, I, I and it does create a lot of interest. It is intriguing, no question. And 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 isn't it amazing? Because when they first started this, I bet you they thought, well, it would hardly ever happen, but it would at least have more people have hope, you know, kind of thing. But it's actually happened quite often. Well, Kevin, look. I mean, in the NFL draft, you know, I know how you especially love the NFL draft and how much you look forward to it every year. Look, just talking about who's going to be drafting early, how far they're going to fall. Just think how much more intrigue with another a twist in it if you would have a lottery with that. Well, to, what? to me, that would mean tanking becomes even more stupid at that point because you may not even get it. Exactly. You know, and as much as there's parity in the NFL more than any other sport, you know, the parity's even going to be more. I mean, I don't even know. You might lose some of, the, the, of that because some of these fringe teams that, make the, that don't make the playoffs, they might be getting these top pick now. now. How would that go? Yeah. They're like the, the, the same the same they make the playoffs this year, right? Right. They would get what? They would have got the number one pick this year. Oh, man. <laughs> no, it, you know, it would make it a lot more exciting, no question. And there would be less tanking to me. Right, buddy. Y'all have a good day. Take care. So if tanking becomes more of an issue, and it's already – I mean, some people already kind of talk about it, but if it becomes to where it becomes a problem, that might be one of the solutions to make – to bring the lottery that the NBA has in its draft to the NFL. You support it or no? You good for that Yeah, or no? no, I'm all in on that. Now, I – I think the NBA, the way the NBA did it's a little bit interesting. And the funny thing is, like, I guess, so with the with the playing tournament and the, and the way that things have had, the NBA hasn't, it's not, there's not nearly as many teams that are in that conversation. But, like, the tanking at the top was as bad as it's ever been this year. Yes. In my opinion. So, like, I know the NBA says how much better it is, and I get in some ways it is better. Like, a lot of teams were still fighting for playoff spots that in previous years maybe wouldn't have been tanking but would have kind of packed it in. But... I mean, the Spurs obviously had no desire to win games. I mean, not at all. And and I don't know if the Pistons really did either. And you know, like, I, so it's funny. Like, I, it hasn't fixed all of the problems with tanking, but it has 
fix some of them. And but I, I think, think in, in the, the NFL, NFL it would. And it's also tougher, too, in, in the NFL. Like, it's such a physically demanding game. And, like, those guys play no matter what. Like, I don't know if there's a lot of teams that aren't trying. Even when teams are bad, that more has to do with roster construction. Like, I think teams go out on the NFL field with the uh, – with the and also the other thing goes back to, like, you know, the the tape that gets put on the league and stuff. Those guys play hard, even yeah, on the plus, bad teams. You know, I can see tanking it as a wide receiver. You know, it's pretty yeah, easy. On most plays, you're that. not really that involved. Yeah, as a lineman, you're getting you're getting. But blown if you out don't, if you're not aggressive, and if you don't have a certain mindset as a lineman, are you going to get your face crushed? Right. I mean, and you always talk about the, you know, the, it's an old adage about your risk of injury, but it's it's really true in that situation. If you're trying to take it easy as an offensive lineman, you and you're facing Aaron Donald, you're going to get. You're going to be more likely to get hurt that way yeah. than just by yeah. get mauled is what you're going to get. But, um, no, that, that's, that's uh, an, 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 interesting, an interesting thought for sure. So the guy that I wanted to discuss kind of having to do with, with the coaches for the for no Summer Project, but also what's going on like right now in these coaching shirt searches like where is doc rivers right now in your like if you were the gm of a team where does doc rivers fit into all this cuz look he's got a lot of wins he's been around a long time like he's got a lot of wins um well not a lot of titles but he's got a lot of wins and I, I brought this up on the first show today. The funny thing about specifically where the NBA is with coaches, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. At least, and I don't know if it's a good thing or not, but like when you see a ton of turnover in the college athletic space, a lot of usually when the guys are getting fired repeatedly, the hires are either big time splash hires that had issues elsewhere, or most of the time you got these young up and coming assistants that are coordinators for, you know, smaller schools or maybe head coaches of smaller schools getting a bigger chance, whatever it may be. In the NBA, all we keep doing is firing coaches and reshuffling where we're sending them. It's the same guys that keep getting hired over and over again. Monty Williams has another – and I look, I think Monty Williams should get another head coaching job because I don't think he should have lost the last one. But it's like we're just doing – we're just playing this shuffle around game with the NBA coaches where we're not actually hiring young assistants for the most part anyway. We're just reshuffling. Oh, well, you were a – you know, you won a bunch of games, but we fired you anyway. Well, this team wants you now, and they're going to do the same thing. You're going to win a bunch of games there and not win a title, and they're going to fire you because nobody knows that only one team wins a title every year. I don't, I don't get it. Well, it falls into that whole elitist thing I was talking about. Like, I, I, and it, you know, you talk about the reasons to like one team or the other. Now, it's Miami's kind of the same way. They've stuck with Spolster for a long time, and he's been worthy of it. But it's the same thing with Denver with Malone, right? Like, that's kind of. The idea of, wait a minute, you gave this guy some time, and it didn't work, it didn't work, but you didn't fire him, and guess what? He figured it out. Like, And I think sometimes But he also got some healthy bodies, too. Yeah, and I talked about this in college football, too. There's dangers of it on both sides. Like, on one end, you have Willie Fritz at Tulane, who was you know stuck with, and certainly people called for it. Now, there's a whole different situation with the resources and why guys get fired more often in college or not. But then what's dangerous is when something like Sonny Dykes happens at TCU because now everybody's going to go away. We could find a guy who could fix it in one year. Well, let's do that. And so all those precedents that get set by new coaches do accomplishing things, I think sometimes it's really dangerous. But in a situation like Malone, I'm hoping it actually helps us to sit there and go, wait a minute, let's let this guy have some time here and maybe we'll put it together. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be well, the, the I exception just, or but, the rule. But on one thing, on one level, 
it's never it's always been this way. Like the Kevin Lockeries of the world, they go from this team to this team. So there was always been a little bit of that in the end, you know, George Carl and some of these old guys who just went to team to team. So there's always been a little bit. But the other thing is I think these superstars have a lot more say-so. Like it developed – it was a big deal when I was in high school and I was a Laker fan. The Magic – supposedly, and I mean, there's no reason not to believe it, got Paul Westhead fired. Like, Magic said, I don't want, you know, he got him fired, supposedly. And I'm sure it was true, because it's never really been denied to any great extent. So it's not like that's new either, but I I, I just, I got to believe they go to these stars now, especially now that that the NBA is basically AAU basketball. It's what it is now. And so it's kind of like the what our mentality of the transfer portal now. So if you want to keep these guys from just leaving and forming their own little team somewhere else, then you got to have to kind of like see, you know, what they wanted. So I think those got those stars have more say so on who to coach it. So in some ways it's never changed, but I think it's at a different level now. Because the NBA is basically AU basketball right now. Yeah, and again, that's also where the credit and the the funny thing is the stars right now are getting the credit, but then they're usually not getting the blame. It's usually one it's usually both, right? You get the credit and the blame. Well, you know, when when Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs broke through, obviously there was a lot of Mahomes broke through and got his first Super Bowl, this or that, but there was also a lot of Andy Reid broke through. Andy Reid got it done. It's been so long and Andy Reid got it done. I don't know if I heard any conversations about Mike Budenholzer got it done when the Bucks won. It was just all about Giannis and the Stars, yeah. you know. So I think that's part of it as well in the NBA where we're at this point where like when when LeBron and the Heat won, it was not about Spolstra at all. Now he's starting to get some credit because of again the way that he's done it with different situations, but I think also part of that just the NBA's a star league and it's it's more so even than any of the other sports. So that's that kind of gets mixed in as well. It's uh it's and and Bunos is not going to get a job, is he? Is he got? He hadn't gotten a job that I missed. Not yet. We'll see. No. We'll see. He's been some rumors, but nothing confirmed. He was a final. <coughs> he was a finalist with Phoenix. Uh, I think I heard that. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. And you know, it's not like I understand a lot of people don't like him, but I mean, he had a decent stint with the Hawks, and he was, you know, he was there for most of the glory years of the Spurs. It's not like he's some guy they just found on a street corner, even though he kind of looks like it sometime. Um, that guy could have coached. That guy could have coached the Celtics in the early '80s. He'd have fit right in with all them ugly cats. I mean, he, you know, with with Walton and Jerry Seasting, and he'd have fit right into it with them cats. All right, we'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Kevin Foot. An award-winning journalist, popular sports talk show host, and a man who apparently moonlights as a doctor. A medicine season of a different strand in 12, obviously, because the criminal commissioner decided to inflict them with with the, the whole bounty gate silliness. His descriptions of illnesses are extremely concise. 
not a normal strand of a medicine season. It was a different strand. This out of the blue from Timbuktu and all of this bounty gate silliness. Dr. Foot is ready to write a prescription for what ails your favorite team here with more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111 if you would like to get in. Now, Dawson brought up a point that actually did cross my mind yesterday, and he didn't even realize what he did because I'm about to fill him in on the history of this. We call this a footnote summer project so I can set the rules. Okay, so many years ago, when we did, you know, Mount Rushmore, but especially the the Jersey number one. And what that was, for those who haven't been listening, is we, 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 we tried to come up with the best athletes to wear from zero to 99. And so you took a bunch of nomination for all these numbers. But there, there was one rule. 16 and 80 were not eligible. Not eligible. I mean, you could bring them up all you want. I don't even know what you're talking about. 16 and 80 were not eligible. 16 um, is a former Notre Dame quarterback who played for the Cheaters and the Chiefs. And 80 was uh, the wide receiver that he threw to a good part of his career. Those guys were not eligible. So, with that in mind, I have to think about if a certain head coach of an SEC program right now is even eligible or not, we'll, we'll, we'll decide whether he's eligible between now and then. Um, we'll see. The funny thing is I, I actually agree with a lot of things he says a lot of the times. I just, and, and we both love little Debbie oatmeal cream pies, but I just. It, I was going to say, he seems like your type of guy, though. It, again, it's it's so much. It's not him. It's the way people talk about him. It's like it's like most other things. You yeah. know, a lot of these somebody like like four, sixteen and eighty. I got cheated so much by them. There's no way I could ever give any quarter. But no, I, a lot of what he says, I agree with. Yeah, I just they they build him up so larger than life that I it just I I just can't pull for him. No, I I get it. I well. And and I don't think he's this great guy. I think he's just because I know you now. So I say I get it. I don't mean that I agree, but I get why you are like. Like that I really I think Bill Belichick are. at his core is pretty a good, pretty good guy. I think Nick Saban at his core is not a good guy. Um, not I, a good guy. I don't know. I I think he's probably. I really okay. don't think he's a good guy. You never watch those reports with um, you know, when they do the ESPN where the guy goes down to his lake cabin in the in the off seasons. Is it Jeremy? Uh, I shouldn't have said it without knowing his name offhand, but there's an ESPN reporter who always talks to him, the Southern guy. Yeah. Um, and he always has some good insight when he kind of talks about those conversations he's had when he spent some time off when he hasn't been in coaching mode that he's given some perspective on. I probably turned it the minute I saw his face, <laughs> to be honest. But I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would watch it. If it's 16 or 80, there's no way I'm watching 
Like we play this commercial sometime with with 80s voice line. The minute I hear it, click. No, that's not happening. So Marty Smith, who I'm talking. About. Oh yeah, I know you're talking about. Yeah, he's he's kind of a a uh, fun guy. Yeah, he 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 he's um, got a lot of personality. Um, and actually, I haven't done the calendar yet, but I'm actually thinking about. My first thought was college football next week, but I haven't finalized that yet, and so we might I might have to make that decision sooner than later. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. I need you to explain that a little bit more clear for me. For me, anyway. Ain't nobody else really matters, but it matters to me. I need you to explain that more clear. He's he's kind of a he's a nice guy inside. Explain that to me. No, oh, you know, oh, I'm sorry. I touched on the on the guy you hate. I really kind of think that even though he looks like the biggest jerk ever, he um, is. Keep um, on. on the surface, he looks like the biggest jerk ever. Okay, but I really he think is. if Keep you on. got to know him, he would. We would. You probably wouldn't think he was that bad a guy. I'm not really? talking about you. Look, I have no problem. I've already told you many times. I got no problem with your hatred. You're doing your job. I got no issues with that. I'm just talking about someone who doesn't just absolutely hate the Patriots. I I, I think they might think that, maybe. Well, like I told you, me and you always see differently when it comes to certain things like that. Because, like I say, I just don't understand you because – now, first of all, you already mentioned on air, so you can't go back and you can't lie about it or whatever because it's already in stone, and I got it written down, trust me. But you can't, I mean, you say it a lot of times how much you hate cheating. You don't like cheaters and all this. You're always on 18, I mean, 16 and 8. I understand all that stuff. That's cool. That's your own opinion and all that stuff. I understand all that. But you don't like cheaters, but you always praise that guy throughout his career, him and time reading and stuff. Knowing where they came from, what they're about, and how many times they've been busted cheating, knowing facts are out there they've been cheating, but you always give them the benefit of the doubt and praise them, and you say it on air many times, you don't mind cheaters, and this and that, as long as they ain't cheating the saints. So I want you to explain to me what makes him a good guy, and you know he's a cheater and stuff. Well, I I need, I, a, I, I need a good explanation, not one you just put together and just throw it to me and think I'm going to take well, anything. No, look, my tummy. I, I need a good one. I, you said I'm pro Tom Brady, and I, I, I try to downgrade Tom Brady. I've done that for years. Try no, to no, downgrade no, no, Tom, no. Tom Brady. I don't know, Kevin. I let you get away with that. You ain't done that for years. You just started that the last couple of years when he got to Tampa. No. But when, no he was in, when he was in over there, you didn't do that. Come on now. I have zero issue. been going at this for years. That's a slick one. You ain't been getting on him until he got to Tampa. No, that's not true. And everything. But that's the whole true. while he was over there in the real Cheetahville, you praised him how great they were as a dynasty and everything, knowing these cats were busted and cheating and everything. And the way they cheated many, was a whole many, different Many, many years ago, many years ago, way before he went to the Yucks, I um original Saints fan came on the studio at the previous radio station and we went through this whole thing about how overrated Brady was statistically compared and, and compared him and Rodgers and and Breeze and Manning and and we've been talking about that for years. Now look, I have no issue dis- 
trying to figure out because I think the whole deflated football thing, there may be more to that. Okay. No, 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 Kevin. No, no. Kevin. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not gonna let you do that. You keep trying to be what? slick with it. So the free thing ain't about anything. I'm go back to the original cheap stuff. I ain't talking about no deflated football. I'm talking about the real deal here. When you're spying and stuff and all this and bugging locker rooms. I ain't talking about no footballs. Keep it real here. Don't try to no. I think they're both real. The rug and don't I, I, hammer I, I, them too much. I hammer think, them the way you hammer these other cheaters. I think. I think they're both real. I because th- the, the re because the thing about the deflated Man, football is real. No, the thing about the deflated football is they never fumbled the football for so long. Like, their fumble rates in that era was incredibly low compared to the rest of the league. And I've always wondered if the football had something to do with that. But anyway, that's a separate issue. As far as the old bugging locker rooms and, 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 you know, again, I I have no issues with, when trying to decide whether he's the best this or the best that or the best this or the best that, including all of that in there, there's no question that it's real. But again, we have to be able to put that in context. Uh, I don't have ain't no context. I got to put it in. There. No, it's, it's, I, I understand. I understand your point of view. My question is this. I tend to believe that there's a much better chance that they were doing that at a way higher rate and there were way fewer teams doing that when they were doing it, which gave them a considerable advantage. I think that's a great point. And I, I, I think that's probably true. You know, for instance. Ain't no, he ain't no probably. Kevin, it is true. Cu- cu- for no instance, people, people pudding, still man. drill the steroid guys. People still drill the steroid guys, but we already right. know the vast majority of the guys were doing steroids in that era. Okay, so That's we already right. know that. Like, we, they, they drilled the Saints for Bounty Gate, but we already know that teams all over the league, even the Vikings themselves, were doing had a Bounty Gate system. Okay, they even, you know, one of their players even admitted that. And we already know that the NFL praised the whole Bounty Gate, the Bounty uh, Kangaroo Court system in its NFL films just a decade before. So we already know that. We already know in stealing signs that the that teams all over the league were stealing signs. The Yankees were doing it illegally. They, we already found out the Punks were doing it illegally. The, well, you know, well, all of well, that. Well. All these teams were doing that illegally. Because, like I said, it's all, all kind of people cheap, but the way you explain it to them, and to us blind fans that don't know anything and don't know better, the way you explain it, you explain this like it's only one team that cheated forever and everything, and nobody else really does that. And the whole system no, is a whole no, no, no. crooked the system. The difference is the league cheated really for the che- the league. Stuff. The league cheated for the cheaters. Exactly. That's what made it worse. Exactly. There you go. That's there way go. worse. Say it again. Say That's it again. way worse. Say it again. The lead cheated, cheated for the cheaters. The the cheaters cheated, and okay, the lead okay. cheated. The lead cheated. That for the was cheaters. way, so that's way for the worse. Then? What lead they in? I'm sorry. I say if the lead cheated for the cheaters, well, who cheated for the Patriots then? Well, I, I think you could argue the lead cheated go, for them. There you go. There you go. No, I think you could argue the lead cheated for them too. You try to beat around the bush. I no, I, I think the league could. You could argue the league cheated for them. They, 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 the league cheated for the Packers and the and the Patriots for years. We we proved that statistically a couple of years ago. All right, well, I got we got to take a break. Thank, thanks for the call. We'll be back.
This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. You never know what tangent you're going to go on. Before we move on, though, I got to set the record straight. The team I call the cheaters was the San Francisco 49ers of the 80s and the early 90s. The league, you know, the officials cheated for them just like they cheat for Alabama um, in football. And so that's what I was talking. My, my real beef with them is all the calls that they got that were just outrageous and how often it happened. But don't mistake, those of you who didn't grow up in that era, and Dawson was one of them. Dawson's too young to have grown up in that era. The 49ers, they came up with the salary cap. They cheated the salary cap. They got caught and they got busted, and they had to pay heavy prices for cheating the salary cap. When they started doing injury reports, the 49ers cheated the injury reports. So a lot of the, they cheated at that too. They had a criminal owner who paid his players with dirty money. They had a president who was from Youngstown, Ohio, the king of the mafia. They, they, uh, and their owner went to prison because he was a criminal. Okay, so let's not act like they, they, they cheated every system the NFL would come up with. They would cheat it, and they got busted for it, and they paid a price. Now they got their Super Bowls. I mean, that they got them, no question. So now I think the Patriots did a lot. They. They push everything to the limit and beyond as well. So I could I I I I understand Rockefeller's hatred towards the Patriots. I don't I get it. I'm just saying let's not get the false impression that the cheaters didn't cheat. And plus, on top of all that, they were known as the dirtiest team in football. Now, the NFL wouldn't want you to think that the Raiders were the dirtiest team in football. The actual dirtiest team in football was the cheaters of that era. They were the most. They were really dirty. All right. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Yeah, am I up? Yes, sir. Well, just to back up Ronnie's point about the about the Patriots and the league, and I know you agreed with the league cheated for certain teams, but when you look at the track record that Bill Belichick has had two different teams accused of, and evidently enough evidence has been presented that they were basically convicted in the court of the commissioner. The guy has never suffered a game suspension, and yet Sean Payton was suspended for a whole season over Bounty Gate. That's true. The idea, the idea of Bounty Gate being anything that could sway the outcome of a game is just ludicrous on its face. You mean a bunch of guys who are already making over a million dollars a year are going to go out there and purposely try to cripple somebody? over $500 or $1,000 or whatever the number is. 
but the highest number I ever heard was $10,000. And nobody's going to ever convince me that even if the Saints did have a bounty program, that they ever had it for no three years, and ain't nobody ever going to convince me that that bounty program caused anybody to go out there and do anything that they wouldn't have done anyway because they were out there playing football as hard as they could. But the Patriots did get caught cheating twice. At least Tom Brady got a four-game suspension. Bill Belichick never got anything. I don't know how how you can how that can happen. You call it justice. That's my two cents. Y'all have a good All right. day. Thanks. No, again, I, I'm open to any of those discussions about that. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I I do think that on the surface. If they were, if they did what it seems like they did, that and again, maybe we're naive. I don't know how many teams taped other teams' practice, but my first guess would be that they were in very much in the minority of teams that actually did that. And maybe I'm wrong. And maybe years from now, we'll find more people say, "Well, look, I, I was on four organizations, and we take practices. We all take practice." I don't know that. I I, I tend to think there's a lot more people that were doing steroids in the steroid era other than the ones that had got caught. I know there were a lot of people who were illegally stealing signs. I mean, illegal, illegally stealing signs has been part of the game since the 19th century. I know there were a ton of teams. The NFL even admitted that there were a ton of teams that had bounty gate-type programs that they told to stop. Did some of them ever stop? I Maybe so, or at least whatever. So I don't have any doubt in those. I don't know how many people um, tape. And so that's an interesting, again, it's a whole interesting argument. I, 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 don't, I just don't have the answers. I'm certainly willing to discuss the issue and factor it in when we, um, you know, we'll, we'll discuss, I guess we'll discuss this when we get to the NFL week. But, um. Did not expect to go that deep into that, but that's okay. It's it's a it's it's a fascinating subject, no question. All right, I guess you still mad at me? No, I'm not mad. That's just so I call you back to tell you. Look, I don't want you to get your signals crossed with me, but but one thing about me, I will keep it real with you or anybody, and you know that. And like I told you before, that happened with the Patriots. We knew discussed this years ago. Before that happened, it was so amazing and fulfilling to me. I called that shot before it happened. I told you this. When the country kind of came to a stop and what happened in New York at that time, I called this. And I told my cousin that was going to happen. I said, somebody's about to go on a run. But I said, it won't be the Jets or the Giants. It's going to be too obvious. I said, the next team up, the team with the flag on the helmet, baby. And exactly what happened. And like I said, when everything came out, and it became clear that the league was cheating for them. The league had been doing it, but what the league tried to do is fool people like me and you or the people, like you said, are blind fans. They try to fool us and say, oh, yeah, we own them, we busted them. The league was in on it. The league let them do that. The league created that dynasty. They create stuff. They create stories and everything. They put them on the pedestal that they were on, and then they try to come back and try to fool people like me, knowing good and well, you can't fool me with that. I knew what was going on. Because it was too evident. Everything was about them when the league started up again that year when that stuff happened. When everything started back up again, everything was clearly about the Patriots. I knew it was going before they won because I've seen it all coming. 
because they became America's favorite team to talk about suddenly, and they weren't even good prior to that. They were irrelevant prior to that. Okay? Then when that happened, they became this media darling and everything. When the Super Bowl started, the way it came out, I said, oh, the Rams going to have a shot. Okay. They're going to have a shot, and I knew it. And exactly what happened, I was so glad the NFL proved me right because they've been doing it. And like I said, the only problem I have with you, when it comes to the cheating stuff, you try to distinguish cheaters. You put some in a certain category as the others. Like they got some bad ones and they got some good ones. They're all the same, Kevin. They're all are scums. No. So like I told you it, before. It's about the, the it's about competitive advantage. It's about competitive advantage. That's the difference. It, it, okay. Okay. It, so exactly. let, let, Once let, again, like I told you. You and no one, no one's them. had a more competitive advantage in the Patriots and the and the Cheaters, other than maybe the Packers over the in in over the last thirty years. But it, okay, yeah, but yeah, but look, hold up, one more thing. But like I said, that's the league, not those players. Uh, so you can't keep getting mad at the players. I hate Boston, but I won't get mad at all the players because they've been cheating or whatever. I know what happens. The league does that type of stuff because they got their favors and they got their big markets. They have to. Uh, all right, all right. I, I, okay, you but know? I want you to do me one favor. Not right now, but think about it. We got three more days after today. I want you to come up with, in your opinion, the one or two most <laughs> underrated NBA coaches and call me back tomorrow or the next day and let me know what well, you come okay. up with. I, I'll do that. You do something for me. I want you to finally take some time off one day and start worrying about sports every day in your life and go fishing. Do that for me. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Well, I don't know if Rockefeller's still listening, but while I was in Miami, something happened. Um, my wife, who's actually a little more than a fisherman than I am, we haven't gone fishing since last summer. Uh, we talked about it. We just never did it. Um, and I'm a terrible fisherman, but I don't mind fishing because I'm okay with just the quietness and the calm and the. I love to catch fish. I hardly ever do, but I don't have to catch fish to enjoy the time, fortunately, because I'm terrible at it. But while I was gone, Rockefeller, my wife and son, Russ, my daughters, they don't want anything to do with all that, but they went fishing twice, and she told me yesterday she caught the fever. So fishing's kind of like golf. You can get, you can get that fever and it's hard to get rid of it for a little while and so um i'm not great i'm not i'm not i don't partake in either one but i've done enough i've caught the fever in golf it was 30 years ago but i've caught it before so i know what it feels like and i've caught the feeling fishing even though i'm a terrible fisherman um i've caught it so i understand she told me she caught it so rockefeller you got a shot of getting your wish over the next couple days and i'm fixing to be on on um have in the summer I get some vacation. I just I wish this whole idea about fishing licenses from June to June would be different. Like so if you buy a license the last day in June, you can use it for like one day and you got to get another one. That's just ridiculous. They need to change all those laws and rules. But anyway, that's another that's for another day. Um, we will take a time out and come back. Stay tuned. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Why doesn't Kevin Foote talk more basketball? Because it's in the best interest for his health not to discuss basketball. I had to give up basketball to save my life. I cannot take basketball. It's way too subjective. More foot. 
footnotes coming up on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Man, you know, when you get up and you come into the show, you never really know. I mean, you have an idea, obviously, what you're going to talk about and how things are going to go. But I love the spontaneity of it. Um, and you never really know what's going to happen. So I did not know we'd be talking this much about the Patriots. That was just, it just happens. And that's fine. It, 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 it happens. And I certainly didn't expect to hear this big news between the PGA Tour and, and Live Golf. So, you know, wow, this was a way more eventful first day back. Lots of big things. And, you know, we had a lot of spirited conversation. And that's good. That's, uh, that, 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 that's all good. So we have got, um, so what's the schedule? When do Oklahoma and Florida State play? Do we know that the, yet? Yeah, the first game is going to – so they're going to take tonight off, and uh, the first game is going to be tomorrow night. I'll get you an exact time, um, but it should be Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, by the way, I thought you would get a kick out of this. The NCAA announced um, that there's a new rule for the softball championship um, that they're going to – essentially the eight-run rule didn't exist in the championship series previously, and they decided that they are going to use it. And it's just everyone's calling it the Oklahoma rule now because obviously they are that dominant that they have been run ruling teams in the championship series at times. So, so wait, they're instituting it for region NCAA tournament play or just the finals? The finals. It was already in in NCAA, in, in in tournament play. Right. So that brings up the question: Should baseball do the same? Um, yeah, I would think so. So, by the way, game one is tomorrow at seven. Game two is um, Thursday at. 6.30, and then Game 3, if necessary, Friday at 7. Now, it's pitching is an issue, certainly, for yeah. softball, but it's really an issue for baseball. Right. So should you be able to, for instance, a lot of people were saying, why didn't the Cajuns have a run rule win over Maine? Well, the reason is there is no such rule, but there could be, like, should you have to utilize your pitchers when you're up 19 to 5 in the seventh inning, say? Yeah, I think there should be a 10 run rule. Um, and I, I heard, I heard actually some discussion about it, and they were talking about it on the squeeze play broadcast too, because it, it just doesn't. First of all, the other thing about it is when you get into these regional situations too, you're also relying on tournament play to keep games in on schedule, right? And I think. Obviously, if games go extra innings or there's weather delays, like you can't do anything about that. But when it's a you know twenty to five, as it was in the Arkansas TCU game, and and like you know, I guess some people might say, oh, you're giving the team that's losing an advantage or an incentive to get blown out. I don't think so. It's like when you you lose two games and you're going home. I don't think Arkansas went down and said, man, if the ten run rule existed, we would lose faster on purpose. Like I, I think in those situations, look, is a team. And that's the other the point they brought up is it was uh, I think it was early on in the game where uh, you remember the Washington game was eight nothing in the first inning and so people kind of said that and their their logic was okay if you give Oral Roberts now has the next seven innings to make this a game and if they're not within ten runs after the seventh inning then it's over 
And obviously, Oral Roberts came back and won the game, so that was kind of what, what they were saying that based on. But if a team goes up by 10, 12 runs early, you don't do it like it's not after three or after four Yeah, innings. it's after seven. Yeah, and so if a team is going to come back by then, now look, is there going to be is there one game out of the history of baseball that a team would, could come back from that deficit? Maybe. But I just think, yeah, I think it saves pitching and it saves scheduling as well. It does, but if you're, if you're not playing a run rule level games, then... Is it fair to the other teams who are playing three to two games that the other team got to save his pitching? But did they get to save their pitching because they gave up fifteen runs in seven innings? You know, so like, I, are they using any less pitching? I don't know. Like, if a team is that uncompetitive, sure, could they be throwing like position players out there or something like that? I guess so, but I don't know if that's really any different. You know, I, I, I don't know. I think it, especially. I mean, we see it in softball, and I think it works. Now they're even. Eight after five, in my opinion, is actually a little bit like... Now, in softball, too, I don't know. You don't see as many high-scoring games either, especially in the higher levels when the teams are really good because there's always one dominant pitcher. Yeah. But, like, eight after five, some of those Stillwater regionals, I wouldn't be set that the game was over after five if it was an eight-run deficit, you know? But I don't know. It's it's tough. I, well, get, I get both sides is... of it. I'm not, like, fully offended either way. Yeah. I, um... Yeah, I certainly get both sides. Um, but, like, I don't know. I don't think it made a difference for the Cajuns, but it could have. Like, David Christie pitched pretty well, I thought, when he came in. In fact, I thought they pulled him a little quicker than I thought that they were going to. Right. But obviously they had the, okay, we're just going to, you know, sign first sign of trouble, we're just going to go to the other guy. I get that as well. Um, I... um. But, like, he was the only one that really pitched that they probably were really, really going to potentially use the next day. And he only threw, like, was it 16, 17 pitches, something like that. It wasn't like he threw 30 pitches or anything. And he still was – I think he retired the first seven that he faced, so it wasn't like he, that he pitched poorly. Fascinating argument. I am kind of a run rule guy from a media standpoint, but that has nothing to do with the competition of it, so we'll see. Rook, eventful first day. We got a lot more to carry over for tomorrow. Y'all have a nice day.